This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Tuesday, August 8th. 2017. I have a really cool guest today, and that's Matthew Miller. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hey, Miriam. How you doing? I'm well. Uh, Matt, for those who don't know, writes for ZDNet and uh, has a podcast with Kevin Toffel. Uh, what's your podcast called again, Matt? <laughs> it's close to yours. It's the Mobile Tech Roundup podcast. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> I should, you know, actually, I knew that, and I was like, I, I cringed a little bit when I came up with mine, but we couldn't really come up with something that really fit what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? It's perfectly fine, no problems at all. I, I think uh, you guys are more Roundup and newsy, yeah. Whereas yep. I'm more kind of freestyle and talking about more, mostly device review-ish things. I mean, there's obviously some some news content in there, but uh, thanks for coming on. Um, so the, the I wanted you to start with the news that you wanted to talk about. You're super excited about this bike you just reviewed. So tell us about it because this show is about mobility in general. Like, you know, that includes any kind of mobile device that has some sort of electronics, hardware, whatever you want to call it. So tell us about this thing. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. I, uh, I, uh, I started riding my bike to work last year. And in Seattle, there's a study by Zillow that says you know, Seattle was number one bike-friendly city with San Francisco really close and all this kind of stuff. And so I've been biking a lot. And then this year, I just said, oh, I'm going to have to find a, a better way to commute. It's even better than my bike. Because I, I ride the bike, but then I get to work and I'm sweating and I've got to take a shower and waste all this time. And so I started looking into some of the electric bike technologies. And, right. Um, a lot of them, you know, you're talking two, three, four, up to $10,000 kind of thing. And a couple co-workers bought a couple bikes from Rad Power Bikes here in Seattle. And right. uh, so I'm like, ah, let, let me check out and see what they got. And they have this new one that launched last fall called the Rad City. Okay. It's, uh, it's really designed for the commuter. It has, you know, built-in fenders. It has a built-in rack. Got a big, huge battery on it and all this. So I went to the... Uh, the local store and asked for a test ride and they're free to go on test rides in Seattle. And I was a little apprehensive, you know, I, right. it's been a long time since I've been on a motorcycle <laughs> 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 and I was thinking, oh man, if I, if I get on this thing and it takes off, I'm going to run into a car, crash it and all this other stuff. So I asked like a million questions before I went on my ride. And then I, I went on the test ride and I'm telling you, it, it brought the kid out in me I mean. You know, when you first rode a bike as a kid, it was just like joy and freedom because you were moving so fast, right? And getting on this electric bike, I was just like, my, I felt like I was, you know, 10 again. It was really a blast. Yeah, you know, I mean, electric bikes are cool. This, is this a, more of a motorcycle then or bicycle? It's a bicycle. It's a bicycle, but it can obviously reach some pretty high speeds, right? Well, see, that's when I, I looked into- I mean, it into feels like high speed. Well, 20 on a bike feels fast. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, that's all you yeah. really need, right? You know what they say about cars? You know, I'm a car enthusiast and they say, they say it's better to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. That's a good point. It's yeah. a good one, right? Because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. true. The wind in your hair and you're like, I'm going to die any second now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you know, on a pedal bike, I can get up to 14, 15 miles per hour on a normal commute anyway. So I'm already going kind of fast, but it's a, 
taken a lot of work to do that. Yeah. Um, so, this, yeah. go on. I was going to say, this bike has, I wanted it because it has multiple modes. So, you can turn off everything and just ride it as a bike. Um, right. It's a very heavy bike. It's 60 pounds, so it'll take a lot of effort. And then they have five modes of pedal assist. And then they also have full throttle mode. Whoa, which, what does that mean? You don't have, you don't have to pedal at all. It's oh, light, I see. Then, then, no, it's, it light, then it's like, like a moped. It sounds like a turbo mode, like, you know, full throttle mode, dun, dun, dun. Well, in my, cool. in my silly little video, I called it the Nacho Libre mode. And I don't know <laughs> how familiar you are with that movie. Yes. <laughs> when that he was gets funny. On, when he gets on his little grocery cart bike and he does the full throttle, that's what I call that. So. That's funny. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, tell us a little bit more about the technology behind it. Because obviously, like, is there any kind of like app component? Like you can check the charge status remotely or anything like that? Or is this just purely an electric bike? No connectivity, no smarts. That was the one uh, one issue I was hoping it would have is some smartphone connectivity. It does have a whole display that uh, controls and monitors all of your uh, your wattage that the bike is putting into it, how fast you're going, your odometer, uh, the different levels of pedaling. Um, the only real kind of connectivity to a mobile device is it has two USB ports. One is on the battery and one is on the display. Uh-huh. So you can you can use that to charge up your phones and other devices, which can be handy, like to put on a you know a, a bike computer or something like that and have it powered on all the time. Yeah, you know this is this. I think this is it. We crossed the void into smarts because as soon as there's USB port, there's firmware, <laughs> there's you know ASICs and 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 microcontrollers. So I think this is topical for this show. Uh, as I always say, you know, this is about mobile technology. I consider uh, vehicles uh, that are at least uh, individual vehicles to be smart, uh, not smart, but mobile devices, simply because, you know, cars, you if they're high tech, you, you get into them and you sort of fall out surrounded by technology and, and they move with you. Uh, and then same with bicycles and motorcycles and other things. So, you know, I, last week we talked about the Model 3 with with Dan from oh, yeah. from The Verge, Dan Seifer. And so, you know, this week we're talking about electric bicycles. So what's been your experience so far? You 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 Are you really enjoying it? Does it really change? I mean, obviously you're commuting by bike, so that's going to really help, right? Yeah. I mean, because now I can, I, can, I can leave my home in just my work clothes, get on the bike, go to the train, then ride the bike and, and you know, never have to drive a car all week long. And I don't have to take showers and all that kind of stuff. It, it assists me. It's really... You know, having a commute that's actually fun makes you want to go on that commute. And, you know, if I can go all week without ever driving a car, that's a good thing for the environment. And and for your health, right? Because you you can, if you want to get a workout, you can. Um, I can relate. You know, I used to work for Lucas uh, Film, the the George Lucas's empire Uh uh, in the video game division at Lucas Arts years ago. Uh, That's about a decade ago now. And I used to have to commute from my house in San Francisco on Potrero Hill, uh, kind of diagonally across the small city of San Francisco. It's small in terms of size, mile-wise, uh, across to Presidio, uh, which is where the campus was, right at the edge of the Presidio. So I, it was a 25 to 30-minute bike ride, you know, basically yeah, yeah. uphill one way, like up, uphill halfway and then downhill the other half. And the other way was the reverse of that. And of course, I didn't have an electric bike to assist me, but I got very fit. and. Very quickly, doing this almost daily, 
Um, and it was, you know, I kind of miss it because I'm, I'm a cyclist. I love riding bicycles and, uh, I just don't do it enough anymore. I just, you know, for me, if I just do, if, even if I just do five minutes, it's good. Right. But it's right. the cardio that I was getting out of that. And, you know, generally speaking, the muscle workout that I was getting, that was really, I think, keeping me much healthier than I am now. Uh, because I, for me, it's hard to go to the gym and exercise. I need some sort of purpose, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, kind of another real quick bike related thing is here in Seattle, um, we tried like the, like the city bike thing that they had in New York city and I don't know oh, if yeah. San Francisco hasn't. So we tried that here in Seattle, uh, but it didn't work out because you had set stations, right? That you had to go check out a bike and get a helmet and all that. So that went away. And just in the last two weeks, they launched both uh, spin and lime bike have launched these bikes where you scan the barcode with your phone and then you log in with your phone. It uh, it sends a signal to the bike, unlocks the bike. You get on it. You, you do your ride, and it's only a dollar for three, 30 minutes. And then you set the lock, and it locks it back up. And then you can use the app to find all the bikes in the city. And you don't have to – you park it. You just get on – go outside, pick up a bike, park it wherever. You know? I mean, so that's all the best over. way. Oh, it's awesome. I, I've right? ridden it. I've ridden it to from. I, I have about a mile from my office to the train. I get on it every day just because it's a it's a blast. It's only a buck, you know. Yeah, you know. I think that's how I feel also about car sharing. Like you know, get around, not not get around. There's one of them. I can't remember it is uh, that just basically you can leave the cars wherever. Like you guys have the smart cars in Seattle, right? Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, well, the BMWs. Makes it, who, I think. think yeah, the and there's BMW also BMW. There's two. There's two. There's Benz and Daimler Benz that has their own thing with the smart cars. And then there is um, BMW that has uh, it used to be called Drive Now, and now it's it's something else now. Yeah, I can't remember. And that. anyway, I we used to have in San Francisco, so we used to have the electric BMWs in San Francisco, but then they couldn't work out a deal with the city in terms of getting free parking. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, because the whole point of it, as as we were talking about with a bicycle, is you just go and pick them up wherever the people left them, and the app shows you where they are, and you can unlock and get in. It's much easier than like doing you know, uh, what you would do with like the normal ride sharing, not ride sharing, but uh, car sharing programs, like where you have to go to a kind of a depot or a specific location. Right. And that's, exactly. that's what I loved about it. But then they, they left San Francisco because they couldn't work out a deal with, uh, with the city. And so they moved to Portland and to Seattle. And then the smart car thing has been in Portland and Seattle and Vancouver, BC, I think for quite a while now. And it's the same model. You just, Look in the app, find a car that might just be a block from you. Just get in the car, like unlock it remotely and just drive off and leave it to your destination. You don't have to pay for parking. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's really it's really fun on the bikes, you know. And, you know, Seattle has helmet laws, but these are so convenient. I'm like, ah, <laughs> they haven't caught me yet. So, you know, I don't feel like walking around with a helmet. But Well, you know, I mean, I, th- I personally like to ride my bicycle with a helmet just because, I mean, I'm pretty skilled as a rider, but a lot of people are just idiots. And, you know, it's you versus a large metal box, right? And I mean, I'm a car enthusiast too. I respect the other side as well. So, you know. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm only riding these, you know, for 10, 15 minutes and I'm not for sure. commuting on it. It's just kind of a, oh, that's more convenient than walking. Yeah, I'll ride a bike. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I and for those kind of bikes, yeah, I'm just talking about my general commute. If I oh, was yeah. commuting, right, obviously, because it's you know, I mean, you do it every day. Though you're in, you're increasing the risk quite a bit, <laughs> but oh, I mean, yeah. you know, people are smart and they can do what they need to do. Um, I just I just think that you know this 
this variety of choices we have for commuting now is really making me happy. And oh, coming, yeah. you know, a lot of people like you're carpers. I'm like, so what? I'm a car person because I'm an enthusiast. I enjoy, I enjoy the experience of driving for fun, and I enjoy the technology that goes into cars, especially nowadays with electric cars, EVs, and 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 all the super awesome self-driving stuff that they're coming out with. Because I'm a nerd and a techie, right. but it doesn't mean that I don't understand and agree with you know mass transit and bicycles and car sharing and 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 all that other good stuff because look everybody has different needs and the more choices we have the better off we all are and uh, you know again I, I was you know i grew up in canada and in europe where you know we we like to to be uh community aware and 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 share things and and do the do what we can to keep to keep the environment uh healthy right so and ourselves, if we can, of course, because riding a bike really helps you with your with your workout. So, um, yeah, I think I'm yeah. all in support for it for sure. Yeah. Well, it's cool. Thanks for you know sharing uh, this experience. Uh, yeah. And and you know, now kind that we kind of mobile related, but it was yeah, just, now that we've so lost fun. everybody on the podcast for this show, no, come on, guys. Sorry you know, about that. No, don't worry. But look, the the reality is this: is everybody knows I'm going to get to the meat of it at some point, and they so they this is the the strategy to get this done first was. That way they get to stay for the rest of the show. That's right. Where we get to talk about phones. So uh, there's a few little announcements. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw the news, but OnePlus announced a gold and white version of the OnePlus 5 yesterday. And uh, it's really hot looking. I didn't actually even realize that they'd done a gold version of the OnePlus 3 and OnePlus 3T last year. But apparently they did. And this year we're getting the OnePlus 5 in white and gold. What's your take on white and gold phones? Meh. Mm, I'm I'm more of a I, I love the reds and blues myself. Yeah, yeah. So the HTC U11 is more your thing then, is what you're and saying. And even the Orchid Gray on the S8 Plus. I yeah, think. that's really hot. I agree. Uh, have you played with the OnePlus 5? I have not. Oh my god, they didn't <laughs> send you one? Nope, they. I I, uh, I bought the OnePlus three, but that was the last OnePlus that I've tried. I haven't tried three T or the five. You should get one from uh, Eric at uh, at OnePlus. They're super accommodating about sending devices. Uh, do you know him? Do you want me to yeah, put you in I've touch? Yeah, I've had some communications with him before, but I don't know what happened. I might reach out because it is a <laughs> it's a very affordable, nice looking phone. That OnePlus five. Well, it's it's you know for. It's a little more expensive than last year's OnePlus. I mean, they've been, the, the OnePlus flagship has gone up in price over the four yeah. generations now a bit, but it's still $200 less and very similar in capabilities so to the top flagships. Uh, it's certainly very similar in specs. I, I don't think the dual camera is as excitingly awesome as OnePlus would like us to it to be or would like us to think it is uh it's good it's definitely good but we're at the stage now when you look at the u11 in particular or the galaxy s8 or the g6 uh or the the pixel from last year pixel xl as well we're at the point where these phones are so good at imaging like imaging is not just good it's great right and right. so the one plus five doesn't quite hit that mark in my opinion in terms of imaging but it's certainly better than average and oh. uh you know for the price you can't go wrong so what color do you are you using right now? Well, uh, you know the one that they gave us was it came out in two colors, like a, a metallic, like dark metallic gun gunmetal kind of gray mm -hmm. uh, with six gigs of RAM, and then the review units we all got was the a black one, which is a black on black 
Uh, and that one is is eight gigabytes. That's why the the black on black is the only color for the eight gigabyte. Oh, yeah, right. the other way around. The eight gigabyte is only available as black on black. So I've got the the high end eight gigabyte black on black. But I have to admit, I'm a big fan of white phones. So I'm kind of interested okay. in getting maybe that white and gold. I'll see if Eric has a bunch in stock. It it just looks really blingy, and I kind of like that. Right just to stand out. Now you were, you know, I, I always look to you when I when I start looking at cameras on phones. I always go see what your reviews had in there and that kind of thing. Um, this one Thanks. was, you know, a big <laughs> focus on the dual cameras. So, what what's been your experiences with this dual camera on the OnePlus Five? Um, it's kind of half baked. I mean, look, the reality is this: it's um, there's a bunch of issues with this phone that that takes a step backward and a bunch of things that take a step forward. And the thing that takes a step backwards is that they have no OIS on either camera uh, in yeah. the back. So uh, the OnePlus 3 and OnePlus 3T at least had OIS and an f-stop of, you know, 2.0. And, it, you know, for its time, it was uh, a bit less than competitive, but close. Like, I mean, I think it took decent pictures for the crop of 2016 phones last year. Right. But uh, this year, you know... They certainly have improved. Like I would say, it's a better camera at and 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 the baseline than the One Plus Three was last year or Three T. Uh, the Five is, but um, the lack of OS hurts it a little bit. Low light is certainly still not quite. This is where I think it struggles. In daylight, it's probably as good as some of the best phones, but in low light, it falls apart because no OIS. And also, they didn't improve the the. Um, the performance of the the lens system. I can't remember now. I have to look it up. But the um, the main camera might have a slightly faster uh, lens than last year. But the the zoom, the telephoto, has an f stop of two point six, which, as you can imagine, without OIS is problematic to say right, the least. Right. So yes, you get the zoom feature, but now you're you're kind of sucking in low light and getting a lot of noise, and uh, in um, in uh, what was I going to say? In uh, in daylight, it's fine, but in low light, everything falls apart. Without the the telephoto lens, you know, working well in low light, you can't do portrait mode in low light, which is the big feature of the dual camera, right? right. And and one and one plus, you know, uh, is aware of that, and they're like, well, you know, Apple has the same problem with the iPhone at seven plus, which is kind of true. It doesn't do portrait mode in low light very well. But um, I'm saying, you know, I'd rather do without the gimmick of portrait mode and the dual camera and get a, at least the main camera to be awesome. And that's my take, you know? So, so they're, uh, they're using the similar approach to what the iPhone 7 Plus has with the dual camera being telephoto. And yeah, so mode, contrary yeah. to the G6 that, that has like a wide angle and a regular with the regular having a YS at least, uh, right. this one is more like... Uh, like the iPhone, but the iPhone has OIS on the main lens. Right. But the iPhone also has the drawback of the telephoto not having OIS and having a f uh, a worse aperture, right? Right. So they, they're kind of, in that sense, the OnePlus 5 has the uh, same issues, but the OnePlus 5 has a bigger issue that it has, does, it lost OIS on the main lens, which it had last year uh, on the uh, on the main lens. So yeah, it doesn't, it has f of 1.7 on the main. So, you know, as you can see, it's like, okay, so it's got a really fast lens on the main camera but then it falls apart on the telephoto and the lack of ois on both lenses really hurts it so you know right. it's it's and then the other you know i think the biggest thing honestly it's not so much the hardware specs so per se that cause a problem with the one plus five 
in terms of imaging, it's the fact that they just don't have the image processing experience, right? Right. You right. look at Samsung, H even HTC, right? Like, well, in this case, they worked with DxO Mark, which I have mixed feelings about. But the point is that they, you know, they have years of experience making image, you know, fine-tuning imaging it. pipelines on their phones, all these companies, except for OnePlus, because they're just kind of getting into it, right? <laughs> so you don't have that experience and that, that you can and that's why I think it's falling a bit flat. On yep. paper, it's technically okay, right? But, but yeah. But but even sometimes, if you have that experience, it doesn't always work out because I, I personally cannot stand the output from the Sony cameras, Sony smartphones. Even though Sony knows what they're doing, they make the lenses for all these companies, but for some reason, they can't seem to get the software very well. Yeah, they make the sensors, and I think they're crippling their camera phones on purpose because no. they don't want to eat into their phone business, their camera business, which, as you sense, know, is yeah. they're one of the most successful. Uh, you know, high-end point-and-shoot and, shoot and right. APS-C uh, mirrorless uh, interchangeable lens camera manufacturers today. And even the A7 series, the Alpha 7, which is a full-frame uh, DSLR-like system without the actual reflex part, without the actual, you know, lens uh, mirrors, uh, that thing is super successful with photographers because it's one of the best cameras on the market. So they have a big investment in their camera business, and I think that they make the sensors and let the competition do the good job with their phones. But when it comes to them, they're a, like, uh, it's typical Sony, I ne- right? I never really thought much about that, but I think you have the, I think you found the reason. That's great. I mean, think <laughs> about Sony back, back in the days of the Walkman, right? They, oh, yeah. they didn't want to do, they didn't want to do MP3 for the net network Walkman that they were making. The, the, the essentially the, the MP3, well, the, sorry, the, the hard disk and flash-based right. music players because they didn't want to support MP3 because they, they were worried about, you know, since they own Columbia or whatever uh, music, uh, the, the record label, the, it was like this stupid... This, Sony does this all the time, and it hasn't ended. It's like, ah, uh, I don't get so it. So one last thing on the dual cameras. I, I heard you talking on uh, either one or two shows ago about your the G6 and you like, you prefer that method of having the, uh, well, the wide angle as your second lens. Personally, I really like what we see in, uh, the Huawei Mate 9 and other devices and oh, yeah. the Z2 Force. I'm a real fan of, of the black and the, white. Yeah. Yeah. The black and white. And man, that's my second they, choice to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It just and, looks so good for some reason. I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, absolutely. Man. No, I think, look, actually, I think Huawei is doing the best so far in terms of like, the combination of everything. Why? Because on the pl- at least the P10 Plus, you get f over 1.8 on both lenses, right. whereas you get f over 2.2 on the P10 and the Mate 9. So it's a little redux on the other two phones. But on the the plus, the P10 Plus is like you know they really pushed it uh, f over 1.8 on both lenses, and then you have a bigger sensor for the monochrome, which actually makes sense because even if your pixels are a little small, you don't you you have less noise issues. Right on black and white sensor and you get a better dynamic range. So you get the benefits of the benefits of the monochrome sensors for dynamic range, right? By combining the two photos, you get better dynamic range. And also you can get a better low light that way as well. But then we, you know, Huawei does F1.8 on both, OIS on both, and has a, a large, uh, a large sensor for the monochrome, even though the pixels are small. So they, they basically do the best of both worlds. Like, yes, we can make, uh, the pixel smaller because we you know we it's monochrome so we don't have the noise issues but we give you more pixels for zooming right, right yeah. and so that there's a there's like this lossless two times zoom on the p10 mate 9 and p10 plus 
that exploit the fact that the monochrome sensor is a larger sensor and uses basically the light information from the monochrome sensor combined with the color information from the lower resolution 13 or 16 or whatever it is, the other sensor. So the, it's very smart. It's basically, you know how NTSC analog TV works. There's more bandwidth in the signal for luminance, which is the light information, than there is for chroma, which is the color information. Because our eyes are more sensitive to the black and white part the color, like the brightness differences, and it is sensitive to the color differences. Yeah. So you can encode the color basically at a lower resolution. You can have less detail on the color spectrum and more detail on the black and white spectrum and still come away with a phenomenal image. And, and I think Huawei really nails it. The problem with Huawei is that they still need to polish their software experience, even though they're working with Leica. You know, they're still not, their imaging pipeline is still not tuned just right. Right, But right. they're getting there. The best tuning I've seen today on the dual camera system by far is LG. And then probably for portrait mode, I would say Apple. Um, but definitely LG for, for uh, you know, the, the the amount of the quality they get in low light out of those 1.13 micron pixels on the G6 is kind of stunning considering yeah. it almost matches the pixel with I think the pixel is 1.4 1.5 micron pixels. I think it's 1.4. It's kind of amazing. So to me, like I like the idea of having the wide angle lens because it just solves a lot of problems. You're close up to something. You're at a conference. You can't get far. You can't pull back without having people walking in the way. The wide angle saves your day. Mm, You're, you true. know, that's why I like it. But um, I think that what like what uh, Leica and, and Huawei are doing is the best. And then you know that brings us to the Z2 Force, which I wanted to talk about. But oh, yeah. the Z2 Force is kind of a poor man's implementation of what <laughs> Huawei is doing. And the reason for that is their f-stop is only 2.0, yeah. which is worse than last year's 1.8. And just like OnePlus, last year's Zs had. Um, OIS, OIS on their cameras yeah. and they removed the OIS on both lenses. Yeah. It's just like, what were you thinking, yeah. guys? Like, you know, ah. <laughs> tell me about the Z2 Force because look, I have, you, you saw my video, which is really long. I don't know if you guys have watched it. I published it last year, last year, like last <laughs> week, sorry. Last week I published it right when the embargo lifted, which was right around the time I was recording the podcast with, uh, or publishing the podcast with Dan. I want to know what you think if you play with one because I have a lot of mixed feelings about that phone. My review went on for 25 minutes. I had so much to say. Yeah, I uh, I tested it out for about a week. I just sent it back yesterday. But um, I, I was a big fan of the Z Force Droid version on Verizon. Um, right. You know, I, I like the Moto Mods. I like what it did. It had the long battery life, all of that. So at first I was like, oh, this is great. It's coming to GSM carriers now. It's not a Verizon exclusive. But... Overall, I'm. It's one of the more disappointing phones that I've tested recently. Um, the, I think I think the price is a little bit too high, and there's other phones that are just better out there in that price range right now. Yeah, I mean, so can you be more specific? Like, what is you know? Obviously, you liked the Z Force last year because of the battery life, and that's obviously not definitely a, a letdown. But what else is bugging you? There's got to be. You know, it's like death by a thousand cuts for me, really yeah. what it is, well, you know? you know, the Shatter Shield sounds great, and granted, it, it, it's great if you drop your phone. I I tend to baby my phone, so I don't. Yeah. But the annoyance of, since I baby my phone so much, I was, I was just, it was unbelievable that after like four days, I had scratches all over the display. Oh, it's so bad. 
it's terrible because I'm like, no way. I mean, I, I don't even carry it with other phones or keys or anything. Me too. I baby it. Oh, I was that that would kill me to have to pay for a phone. And you know, last year they had the policy where you could get that front panel replaced. And I, from what I understand, that's no longer the it's case. It's fused. Yeah, they can't do it. Yeah. Uh, um, so and the display, and of course, the, because of the display, they so they chose to make it thinner. Number one problem. Then they put that display in there in a thinner phone, meaning they removed, it's a little thicker than a regular display still, even though right. it's fused, meaning that now they had to put the battery even less than the Z2 Play, which as we know is less than the Z Play and the Z Force last year. And and so, you know, it's kind of like the snowball effect, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I, I, know it's, I know this is kind of nitpicking, but like you said, it's a bunch of nitpicking things that kind of lead me to not liking it. But, you know, Motorola was one of the first to have uh, the nano coating and offer some kind of protection, but everybody else has now moved beyond that to full water, resi- full water resistance, but they're still back on the nano coating. It's not essential, but I live in Washington. I go outside with my phones in the rain all the time. I don't want to have to worry about it. I'm not going swimming with it or anything, but I just don't want to have to worry about it. And that's just another one of the little things that plus you me you you're naval architect. You're on boats in <laughs> salty air all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I go and look, I go running with my phones, and I'm out in the weather, and you know I need exactly. To, it doesn't die. And I said that in my review. I think I would much rather look. I can I can understand the thin approach because that's what people maybe want or it's sexy, whatever. You made that decision. I can kind of live with it. Um, but the big the big thing that vexes me is you picked a display that is thicker than normal to make it shatterproof, but it scratches worse than normal, takes up more room inside the phone, so now you back the battery, scale the battery even further back because right. of the thinness. And now you have, and, and, and granted, because of Snapdragon 835, the battery life is not that terrible. It's not. But, yeah. but at the same time, like you pretty much, if you want to get anywhere more than a day, or even get to the level of performance of the Z Force last year, you pretty much need to buy one of the battery mods. And so now you're giving the carriers money, extra money. And if the phone was $600, it'd be okay. You spend spend $79 for the battery. I get it. But this is like a a $720 is the lowest price, I think, regular price I've seen phone. And now you have to at least spend, you know you're going to have to buy that battery pack, um, mod pack. So it's like, uh, it's like now it's a, it's an eight hundred dollar phone, and and you get still not maybe maybe you get the same battery life as the Z Force without a mod last year, and and then you still have the display that scratches. Wah wah wah. I, so, th- there are some things I like. I do like the. Uh, I, I like you know the Z Force Droid. I hated the fingerprint scanner because that's all it did, and it drove me nuts. Right. Now at and least you can that. you can do that you know the uh, what is it the one the direction or of swiping yeah yeah definitely uh, what I like about it I like the I like the build I like the build quality I think it's good I like the materials I for a phone that is you know not not very modern looking because it doesn't have that ultra wide screen two by one right. display and the thin bezels like you know the G six or the Galaxy S A I still find that it looks pretty nice like it's not an ugly phone. Um, I like the design. I like the mods. I think the mods are awesome, even though I think that they're all too pricey and not necessarily very useful. 
Um, but I like the concept of the mod. I think that I support this this idea of modularity. I'm starting to feel less excited about it simply because the phones I'm attached to the concept are kind of meh, other than the Z2 Play, which I really like, by the way. Um, but at but least it, at least Motorola is consistent, right? They yes. uh, they made a made a decision to go with mods, and they keep on releasing devices that support that. So if you invest in the mods, you can pretty much rest assured that they're going to. Be around yeah, they said they're going to support them for three years now. Yeah, so only three years. That's also a bit disappointing because I'm like, why less? Why not more? I mean, what's the big deal? Like, it should just always work. Anyway, the there are lots of things, um, but but I like the fact that the software is really pretty stock and it has these little enhancements that uh, uh, and Motorola yeah. brings on. This is really good, and then I like it's well made. Uh, other than the display scratching issue. Um, and I like that, you know, it's super fast and it has great specs. It's very modern phone, you know. It's too bad we don't get the six gig version because that's a foreign version. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, that's kind of, we always get the short end of the stick, it seems, on the RAM and stuff anyway. But but look, overall, the biggest pro problem is a combination of factors of like this this battery life, thickness, thinness, and uh, the whole thing around the, uh, the, you know, scratching display, all that is bad decisions. And then... Right. To make matters worse to me, and this is really important to me, is the lack of headphone jack. Still, uh, like yeah. I really thought, look, last year I was like, okay, I'm willing to go with you, Motorola, on this journey. Apple's going to do it, and you're probing the waters. You're doing this. You're taking a bold step forward. I don't agree with you, but I'll give you a pass this year. But then when Samsung and LG did not remove their, their headphone jacks, to me, the writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall that the second biggest, or first, it depends who you talk to, Samsung, first biggest phone manufacturer in the world is saying, nope, we're going to keep the headphone jack because we think it's user-hostile to remove it, and we think our users want it. And then LG followed suit, and then a OnePlus is still doing it. The Pixel did it still. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe the Android world is not going to abandon the headphone jack, yeah. and maybe, just maybe... The Moto Z this year, the Z2, at the time I didn't realize we only get one and it would be the Z2 Force. Maybe the Z2 series will all have headphone jacks this year. Maybe they'll come back on that. And they, you know, they kept the Z, the headphone jack on the Z2 Play. And in fact, on the Z2 Play, it's one of the best sounding mid-range phones in terms of quality of DAC and headphone amp performance i was really surprised and so i'm like why did you do this why did you insist on removing this this jack this time around you have no excuse now htc did it too and they screwed up in my opinion because they're not in a market position to do that right so it's like ah and that's 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 the, again death by a thousand cuts with yeah. a force you it know? is disheartening though i mean i i i, I kind of get it if you're uh a normal person that buys a phone and it comes with a headset and it's not a headphone jack. However, the first time you don't have that particular headphones around or you don't have a Bluetooth headset charged up, you're like, what in the world is going on? When there's options and, and phone designs don't look like they're that compromised to include a headphone jack, I see no reason not to have it in there. You know, look, look at the S8 and the S8 Plus. They're still thin, sexy phones and they've got headphone jacks, you know? Yeah. So... Let's talk about one phone that's been on my mind. I just got it. Uh, it is a Zenfone AR. I, I mostly kind of want to talk about AR because I know you, well, you don't have the Zenfone AR yet. Maybe they'll send you one. Um, have you played with Tango yet? I have not. And have you played with any kind of, I mean, have you done Pokemon Go or just? Pokemon oh, Wars? yeah, I've done some of that. Yeah, Pokemon Go and then some of the AR kit I've been looking at. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't really get the point. But lately, some of the demos coming out, 
I get it. <laughs> it took a while. It's but. starting to look really good. I have to say, I'm very impressed with what we're seeing on ARKit. Having played with Tango, I don't know if you've read my review on Chip Chick. Go check it out. It's the Lenovo, uh, what was it called? Fab 2 or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, it's a massive phone, like 6.4-inch screen, but not a wide, like thinny, skinny wide, wide screen like the G6 or the Galaxy S8. It's more like, you know, a big phone with the bezels and everything and a 6.4-inch display. And, you know, it's the first Tango phone officially with all the sensors and stuff. And I have to tell you that when it worked, it was magic. The problem is the when it worked. And it was buggy and the apps, the demos weren't really that compelling. So what I'm seeing coming out of the IR kit demos is much more compelling. And that's why I'm a little excited about this Zenfone AR because it's a much more manageable phone. It's a 5.5 or 5.7 inch device, right? It's a little long in the tooth in terms of specs. And I'll get to a reason why in a second. But I mean, it's bringing Tango to a pocketable form factor. And hopefully it's a little bit better sorted than what it was on the Lenovo. And that, you know, we'll start seeing some apps and demos that give that make Tango worthy, just like we're seeing some demos of ARKit that make it, I think, worthy. So, yeah, I, I don't know, like, are you excited about what Apple might be doing with ARKit when it comes out? Yeah, I'm ex- I'm getting more excited as I see how I can use this, like, in my daily life. You know, at first I was like, I say that, you know, they see the dinosaurs and you see, you know, the Star Wars chess game. You see kind of these first demos, but then people and developers start to th- think more what can they really do with it and and as an engineer i'm thinking of this as a perfect ship check phone right you go on a ship you right. you do use it for measurements you capture everything then the client says hey we want to put this pump or this piece of equipment over here how would that look and would it, how would it fit there you can do all that now virtually right you know you can kind of grab that pump and put it over here and you can see how right. it looks you know so i, I think there's i think the potential at we're seeing the potential grow every day. You know? And I think people are going to get more excited about once they really realize what it can do. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, it's like the measuring tool app on Tango, for example, and we've seen similar apps for our kit now, is really, really magical. It works really well. You can measure anything. Just, just point a cursor at one end and the other end and you have the length of a car or the length of this bookshelf or the length of even the, you know, the screen diagonal of the phone. You can do it right here in front of you. It's amazing. Have you seen uh, the uh, Made with AR kit Twitter page? No. Well, I would go there and about the third or fourth one down, there is a, a it, it, it's not necessarily practical, but it's the coolest demo. It reminds you of back in the MTV days and it starts playing a picture frame in the middle and there's music going on and there's a person dancing in black and white. And then you kind of walk through that and the whole room turns into black and white and color mixtures. It's really phenomenal. I mean, it, or you, is you, that the one that's like the aha video from the eighties? I think that's what it is. Yeah. You know where it's take like, a, a, yeah, exactly. That's it. Me. That's aha. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that demo. It's really impressive. The other demo that was really impressive. There's a TARDIS demo. Somebody simulated a TARDIS. So it's just sitting there on the sidewalk. And when you open the door, you get inside the TARDIS, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And then when you get inside the TARDIS, you look out the door, you see the reality be- beyond the door, right? Yeah. And it's really, really well done. These are the most two most impressive demos I've seen. And it's sad to see, you know, that Google's had this this early uh, this early take on, on <laughs> this technology, but they're, they're, 
clearly not the demos are much more compelling on ar kit right now and that's kind of why i'm hoping this zenfone ar you know for me it's going to be a six month or nine months now because i reviewed the uh fab 2 in november it's going to be a 9 11 9 to 10 month later kind of view of of where is tango now are the apps any better and this phone is a lot man more manageable what does right. it bring to the table but you know the phone was announced at ces and it's Snapdragon 821. I mean, it's not, spec-wise, it's still relevant. Obviously, the Pixel Snapdragon 821 is still a good phone, but we all know there's a Pixel 2 coming and it's going to be better, blah, blah, blah. So this phone is a little long in the tooth. It's just that they finally got it uh, on Verizon, and you can also buy an unlocked version on Amazon. Uh, so the US is only catching up here, but it's interesting to me that it took that long, you know? Yeah. I can't wait to, I see, I can't, I can't wait to see what your take, your take is on it. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'll be doing a formal review for Chip Chick this time around, mm -hmm. uh, but I uh, am certainly going to play with it and kind of see how much things have improved. I don't, I don't really think it is justifiably needs another review. Um, the first Tango phone was, I think, worthy to review just because we, you know, there was nothing like it before. Right, so, right. Uh, but we'll see. So I've got it here. So stay tuned, listeners, for some thoughts on that phone. And then uh, let's see. We've talked about a lot of the phones. So let's see. We talked about the OnePlus 5, the the Z2 Force. Did you ever play with the Z2 Play, by the way? I never did. I've heard so many good that, things about it. <laughs> it is so good. I mean, it's, you know, some people arguing saying, well, it's not as good as Z Play last year because the Z Play had such a great battery life. And and it's 90, 85 to 90% the battery life of last year right. in a much thinner package. But what to me got me excited with Z2 Play was, as I said, the audio quality in the headphone jack is really outstanding for me, mid-ranger. But the other thing was the camera has the same sensor and lens as the Galaxy S7 oh. and S8, I guess. Uh, the 12 megapixel large pixel size uh, f over 1.7 lens so it doesn't have ys because of the price point right but and this of course the you know the image processing is not quite as sophisticated as what you'd get out of a snapdragon 835 because qualcomm you know bundles some really good software with these chips but it's you can take some really good photos with this phone because of this really fast lens. It's just physics, right? right you get right. more light. So so to me, this whole combination, and you still get a metal phone that works with Moto Mods and costs, you know, only $409 on Verizon. That's at a price point that I find it to be competitive and worthy, you know. So it needs to be mentioned, especially when the Z2 Force is so, ugh, meh, frustrating, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um and then the other phone I want to talk to you, we kind of touched on it when we talked about the colors you like, the blue and red, is the U11. Which color did you end up with? Uh, thanks to some help from some folks at HTC, I was able to swap my sapphire blue for the solar red. Oh, I'm so jealous. I you know, couldn't. I, reached I, out. I, couldn't I, I love blue, but that red... Oh. <laughs> oh, I hear that. I haven't seen it in person. And uh, I, but, it's so unique. And I don't think, I don't think the photos do it justice. No, but look... I asked, um, if you're listening, Jeff, at HTC, <laughs> I asked Jeff a while back when the, they announced the red one, if I could get one. He said, you know, we don't have enough to go around. I don't think we can do this. And I said, you know what? That's totally okay, because I don't dislike the blue. I think the blue is really beautiful as well. But I have to say, if Jeff, you can uh, swap me that blue for red, I'll I'll take the red, especially because my blue one is a sprint unit, so not unlocked, not that convenient <laughs> to use abroad. Uh, hint, hint, hint. I love you, Jeff. 
Uh, but we'll see how it goes. So I'm not- I've, I've heard on the last couple of podcasts of, of your show that you've talked quite a bit about the U11, um, the audio quality, right? And Yeah. I don't, I understand what you're saying about HTC doing their own thing with the, the DAC and all that kind of stuff. But maybe it's because I'm an old man. You know, I'm almost 50 or what, but. Well, I'm I- almost 52. I'm 48. Oh, so am I. But there you go. We match. But w- when I plug in the the included, you know, the ultras, the USonic or whatever headphones, I really, really enjoy that experience. You know, and that's if that if you're happy, that's all that. Like, look, I tell people if they're happy, that's all they're, they're that's good enough. I will never use them because they don't sound good enough to me. Oh, okay. And even with the tweaking, so the biggest problem is that that's fine, right? Like, okay, so for so. The, for those people that like the USonic headphones, they're in the box. Use them. It doesn't matter if you don't have a headphone jack because USonic can't work with a headphone right, jack. You right. need their active headphones. They have microphones built in for noise cancellation, all that good stuff. Well, that's what I like Great. about it as a commuter is I like the right. noise cancellation no, no. and everything Look, that's in there. You know? I get it. It's yeah, not yeah. a problem. I totally understand. But okay. for me, I have much better. I have access to much better. Uh, both larger studio headphones in the house, but also really, really high quality. Um, they're not noise canceling, but they're noise insulating earbuds. Uh, okay. Basically, they're earplugs with built-in drivers. Um, and they're much more effective than any noise redu- active noise reduction. Like people who swear by their bows, I get right. it because they, they cup your ears more comfortable than sticking something in your ear canal. I get it. For some people, that's super intrusive, but you'll never get, better than other than a direct implant to your brain putting something in your ear canal that's isolated by essentially an earplug surrounding it is going to be the most noise reduction you get uh more noise isolation and more importantly the most direct to your eardrum frequency response and quality and and if your drivers are good and the headphone amp and the DAC are good you can get an incredible audio experience mm-hmm. that way and so that's what i go for and i've been spoiled i've been using that high quality stuff for over 20 probably 30 years now yeah like since i was a teenage late in my late teens i invested a lot of money into my 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 listening gear because i've always been a bit of an audiophile so i got headphones in my collection that are 25 years old and i'm not going to replace them they're like five six hundred dollar headphones i mean they're great so having a universal connection for me to plug them in and being able to enjoy them is really critical to me and that's why that makes a lot of sense and then you know the adapter that comes with the u11 as i mentioned in the previous podcast you know wouldn't be a big deal but because they chose to make it an active adapter where the electronics, the DAC and the headphone amp are inside the, the dongle, not inside the phone, um, they, you know, it's not just a dumb analog, you know, adapter like, like the Moto Z uses uh, for its USB-C because it's analog. Right. Um, they have to, they had to, you know, put sh- kind of shitty comparatively electronics in right. this tiny little dongle that's really cheap versus what you would be able to put in a, you know, in a phone by default, like even the Moto Z does. Mm. So, so that's that's the kind of the problem they're running into with it. And to me, it's like for a company like HTC who is really trying to make you know to be you know to be out there and successful and get you know get some love and get some sales. You're cutting off a whole bunch of people who are going to be the more kind of passionate people like me who have been following you and supporting you for so long. Because for many years you had the best sound quality coming out of headphone jacks. Yeah, because they right? had they had the powered amps and the headphone jack yeah, and everything exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. So on then there. they yeah. cut us all off now, and so yeah. we're like, okay, look, we rooted for you all these years, and then you pull this move as a marketing move when 
you know, yes, it's true that 90% people are going to be served by the USONIC, but those 10% of people <laughs> you alienated, are you going to be your most vocal supporters because yeah. they were weaned by you on a good music listening experience through a regular headphone jack. It would have cost them so little to put a real headphone jack on that phone and still bundle the USonic headphones with USB-C in the box yeah, and give, still give, give everybody give the, the same experience. I know. No, no, and that's so. that's my vexation with them. I just, it's sad. Yeah. It's just sad. I still love the phone though. It's, like you said, oh, like you said, the, the, the camera experience is great. I The software is pretty clean, you know, it's fast, super fast very happy with sure i mean it's one of my favorite phones of the year the camera i mean a lot of people don't get how good the camera is on that phone because we get such a good experience already out of our phones today like if you have an iphone 7 or 7 plus or an pixel xl or galaxy s7 from last year or galaxy s8 from this year you already know what excellent imaging means and you are experiencing this every time you take a photo but if you're like me and you have a you know kind of like have a a camera person and you kind of know how imaging works you look at what the u11 comes out uh what comes out of the u11 you're like wow like (laughs) it's just a tiny little more yeah and you know does it justify the whole dxo mark no i think dxo mark is bs to be honest with you what's your take on that like i really don't think that like if you look at their measurements that they do it's like they don't even test ois because they put the phones on tripod to take their low light pictures it's like you're completely defeating the actual everyday use point of a phone with this scoring system yeah i don't know any of the people that run the site or anything else but i i i don't believe anything that they have to say because they've rated some phones either way too high or way too low in in my real life experiences i just judge based on my typical day what i typically take pictures of and i i don't see it you know when their results come out now on the on this u11 Okay, so maybe it is one of the best scoring ones, and there might be valid there, but uh, I don't put a much stock into their ratings personally. Yeah, no, it's just a coincidence, in my opinion, that, that, that this, this one, is, yeah. that this, you know, I mean, not a coincidence. I mean, they clearly worked hard to get a good imaging experience, and of course, they're going to get a good DXO score. In fact, they worked with them, so you know, DS, you can buy your way through DXO mark. <laughs> That's how it works, right? And I get it; it's their business model. I'm not knocking them. I just. I always want, all I'm saying is I have no, no issues per se with the XOMark. I'm just saying you need to take the results as a grain of, with a grain of salt. Exactly. I, what I like the best that they do is their reviews because they show camera samples. Yeah. And then, then it actually is, you know, to me, it's, I hate to say this, you can't, it's like in general reviewing phones, you can't be objective, guys. There's no objective. You, yes, you can say this phone is measurably faster in benchmarks. And yes, probably reflects in the phone being faster to use every day. Absolutely. But you all know that that's not how you measure an, an, the enjoyable experience of a phone. Well, it's like driving a car. Yeah. You can pick a car that has the best numbers on paper and it still can leave you kind of mad when you drive it. Look at the LG G6. It's down at a rating of 84. <laughs> below, yeah. below a ton of phones that do not perform as good as the LG G6 does. You know, it it's an indicator, but I, I wouldn't go buy it as your default, whether you buy a phone or not. Absolutely. And and I think the other problem is, is you know, again, it's, it's like you have to be subjective with this stuff. You know, some people prefer Galaxy S8 photos over G6 photos yeah. because yeah. The, color the color balance. And if, right. you know what, and I'm not going to argue with you, but as long as we both agree that it's one of the top, three phones probably five phones on the market in terms of imaging 
as long as we both agree that those two phones are up there, I'm in. Right. I'm, right. We're friends. But the moment you say to me like, oh, I'm going to buy this because it has a high DXO mark, I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> Agreed. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just crazy. Oh, man. So I'm um, trying to think what else we wanted to talk about. I, I kind of want to take, actually, let's talk about this. Have you reviewed the G6 and the Galaxy S8? And if so, what is your take on those two phones? I have. I've looked at both. I I bought an S8 Plus. Yep. I keep on going back to the S8 Plus, and it's not... It's a good it, one, huh? It, it's. I love the design, um, but I never use the edge screen. The camera's great, but... It's other things that are in there. Like there's some conveniences. I, I know a lot of people just hate Samsung software, but there's some things in there for my daily communications and stuff. As far as like messaging, the phone dialer app. I mean, these little teeny things, but those little teeny conveniences really make it something that sets it apart over some other phones I have. And then, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of wireless charging and wireless fast charging at my office. I just set my phone down. I don't worry about any plugs to charge it up. Um, there's little conveniences that added up to where I keep on going back to this. No, I agree hundred percent. And I think it's the first time that Samsung's managed to bring that extra feature set without it feeling intrusive and in your face. Yeah. Right. The Galaxy S8 is truly the first phone where I feel like I don't have to install a new launcher or to change too much out of the box from Samsung yep. phone from Samsung. Yep. So that to me, you know, and I cost, I called it masterful. I do believe that from a purely technical and engineering perspective, this is today the best phone on the planet. And as an engineer, that's one of the reasons that I keep going back to that versus my like iPhone seven plus I'll put it, my, I'll put my SIM in an iPhone. It can only stay there for a day. I'm like, okay. I know <laughs> I can relate. I know. So you wanted to talk about tablets. Um, and I want to know what, you know, what you, th what you think of tablets? Are tablets dead? I mean, clearly the, I there's a resurgence in iPad sales ever since the cheaper iPad was introduced recently, according to the Apple, uh, um, financial results that just came out last week. Yep. Right. Um, so they did really, they did better in iPad sales. Uh, they, there's basically went up a tick versus uh, the past where it's been a downward uh, curve for a while. What, what's your take on that? Are you an iPad user? I have had a couple in the past, um, but in the last couple of years, I've, I've used some Android phones mainly, or Android tablets mainly for entertainment purposes. Um, but I have a, I've been a Surface Pro user now for, I don't know, three, four years or whatever. Right. And I was going to, you know, I, I, I use it mostly docked position sometimes i pull it out but this year when i saw the new ipad pro 10.5 and what i saw was coming with ios 11 i i took a jump and i bought one um, oh my it's been a long time since i've had it and i gotta tell you i've been using it now i think for over a month i absolutely love it it as a commuter on a train who rides the train 45 minutes each way i don't bring my surface on the train ride anymore. I do it all on the iPad. It's it's so fast. It's a smaller tablet than the Surface as a tablet. Um, I am absolutely loving the Apple Pencil with OneNote because it can search yep. in my scribbly handwriting. And so now I'm replacing all of the paper notebooks that I, I write in and never ever look at again. I'm replacing those with OneNote because now I'll be able to actually 
use the information that I capture in those notes and search for that. You know, when I always have these, hey, I know I talked about this on a phone call a year ago or something, and now right. I'll be able to have all that information, you know? No, I hear you. I mean, that to me, look, this is what I hear from everybody who uses an iPad for productivity work. Um, I haven't been able to make the jump somehow. I think I'm just too old school. I, I still need a, a pickup truck like uh, like uh, what, like uh, Steve Jobs would talk about when he talked about the Mac. Right. I need a more general purpose device. Uh, but I understand that those people like you and like Harry McCracken, for example, who have, you know, use their iPads for productivity stuff have found it to be a, a life-changing thing and l swear by it. And I'm not surprised that's working for you, especially on an iPad Pro, you know, the, the faster, better one. And the pencil is pretty awesome from my time playing with it. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying tablets are dead, but in terms of Android tablets, ooh, it's a, <laughs> that's another it's story. A, it's a dire world out there. Oh, man. Well, you see the pixels are on sale now and Google's you know, getting rid of all the stock because they know the new things are coming. That dang, what is it? The, the Pixel C is still full priced and, <laughs> and no one's buying it. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's kind of pathetic. I mean, I don't remember having a recent Android tablet experience that I liked. Yeah, uh, and I hate to say this because you know I'm a I'm a hardcore Android user. I think it's, it's my favorite phone OS. It's super productive for me. Uh, but the ta so you know for me when I want a tablet right now I'm I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I look. I'll be honest. I I I'll do one of a few things. I will pull out my MacBook 12 inch, which is almost as big as an, or, well, a little bigger, but about, about the same weight and size as a, as an iPad. It's certainly smaller than the 12 inch right, iPad. Right. Um, and it's a full computer. I don't have a touch screen, but man, I can be productive with that thing. Uh, and it's got a great battery life. It's a little bit on the slow air ish side. If you have a lot of tabs open, but I know better than to do that. Um, and I also have a bunch of windows 10 boxes, uh, well, specifically. I have a Surface Pro, the third version. Uh, th I guess it was called the Surface Pro 3, yeah, wasn't it? Right. Uh, because the new ones are just called Surface Pro. Uh, and I have um, a, uh, but this is a review unit. I should mention it, by the way. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Woohoo. Thanks <laughs> for reminding me, Matt. I have been reviewing the uh, Dell Inspire, not, is it Inspired? XPS 13 XPS. 2 in 1. Oh, uh, yeah. XPS 13 2 in 1. So that's the super thin. Uh, one with very little screen bezel. Uh, so it's about the size of a MacBook Air. Uh, the, the You know, pretty small in footprint, pretty thin, and it has a display that almost is bezel-less. So instead of being like an 11-inch display, it's a 12-inch, or, yeah, 12-inch, no, 13-inch. Instead of a 12-inch display, it's a 13-inch display and the same form factor. And the two-in-one, obviously, is a convertible, not convertible, uh, like a yoga. Oh, you know, right, yeah. You can kind of like bend over backwards. Yep and use it as a tablet. So I've been using that, and I have to say, this is the first Dell I've used in a while where I don't feel like ripping my hair out <laughs> and throwing it against the wall. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, what I mean by that is that it uh, it's fast. Uh, the uh, trackpad, which is a big thing for me, works well and smoothly on two-finger tracking, which uh, two-finger scrolling is my big thing. And for a long time, Macs and Chromebooks were the only ones who could pull it off. Yeah. I don't know what it was about Windows boxes. But this Dell does the two-finger thing really well. And the only thing I have to say that's... Uh, I'm a little disappointed with battery life overall. I could be a little better. 
and then the headphone jack broke. Uh, uh, like, I think it's just a loose connection, but it doesn't bode well when a device is, you know, less than a month old <laughs> and the headphone jack breaks. So I'm using an external DAC. Uh, I have a really tiny, um, like, it's the, si the size of like two or three, uh, uh, what's it called? Bars of chewing gum uh, packed together, right? right. And it plugs, it's USB. Uh, and it plugs into a USB port, and I get a headphone jack on that, and it sounds fantastic. So I use that instead. But it's like I kind of sad. Like if it, if I owned it, I'd be like I'd have to return it to Dell or something for repair right now. I'm like seriously, guys, it's a month old. Like my MacBook 12 inch is two and a half years now, right. <laughs> and I'm still using the same headphone jack, and everything's fine. Mm. Like I think this is just an a one off kind of situation, to be honest with you. But look, I don't want you guys to think that you shouldn't buy this because my headphone jack broke. If you are looking for an affordable two-in-one that is thin and has very few bezels and all that, I was really impressed with the Dell XPS 13 two-in-one. So I've been using that a little bit, uh, the Surface Pro, and that's what I... So when I want a tablet, I really don't use... You know, the thing is you've learned now, right, Matt, is that an iPad is a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. much more optimized. It's lighter, it's thinner, it's faster, it's purpose-built to be a tablet. Plus, developers have, have released apps for optimized for that experience to make it so much better than, you know, anything else you can right. do on Windows and stuff. So. And, and so that's the thing yeah. for me. I've always known that at the heart, I like having a full computer with me, and that's why I was really attracted by the Surface concept. Right. But at the same time, it's like I know I'm compromising in some ways, right? Because, because I know I'm not getting a full tablet experience that's optimized for my fingers, yeah, right? right. And so, and and that's why I think the iPad is so successful, yeah. even though I'm old school and I can't get into it. But see, look, you're old school and you got into it, so there might still be hope <laughs> for me. Sometimes you can't teach old dogs new tricks. So, how do you feel like productive? I mean, you're a big hardcore Android user most of the time. So, how do you feel about productivity with iOS? Is is iOS 11 really the the tipping point? Was that really what made it? Be viable for you? Well, I'm running the beta of that right now, so it is it is pretty helpful with the uh, the double the dual screen support and things like that. But I think it's just not it's not so much iOS 11 yet. It's just finding the right apps and the pencil to work in my workflow. But the multitasking has been far improved on it. Oh, yeah, right? like, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm looking for too. And then there's a file system now. Are these access to your file system in some way? So with 11, which I hear is been also been a bit of a gripe for me for iOS. Yeah, I just want to copy files over from like a flash drive or whatever, you right. know. And I, you can do that apparently. And you can, yeah. There's a, there's a files files explorer right on there now. Um, I'm still I've kind of I've kind of moved to the cloud just because it's bouncing between as many phones as I do. Oh, cloud me too. But, to go, but sometimes you you know I'll give you an example, right? Um, I make I make a lot of my videos with the U11 right now. My uh, the the embargoed videos that I can't do live on my YouTube mm -hmm. um, because it's such a good camera phone. And so um, you know they end up being like 20 minutes long, three gigabytes of 1080p video. And I'm like, okay, let's transfer that back to my computer. And I found that uh, you know I I pretty much have to use the Android file transfer app or right. or MTP's compatible software on Windows, which as you know is native. Just plug it in. And, and then it works. But if I use, um, if I plug like uh, USB-C um, based uh, flash drive to my 
you know, my Android phone and want to copy it over to that. I can't do three gigs because it's fat based <laughs> and the two gigs is the limit. It's like, this. that's what I'm saying. It's like, sometimes you need to, you can't use the cloud. It's just not right, fast enough, right. not convenient enough. And you run into some other, other limitations that make you want to use a cable or some sort of hub or something. Right. So did I ever tell you when I was at Google I.O. this year, how I live stream my videos, my live YouTube videos using Ethernet <laughs> no, from a phone. Get this. I was using Galaxy S8 Plus and I brought this USB uh, C dongle that I had that has Ethernet on it and plug that into their, they provided wired Ethernet in the press pit for each seat. Uh-huh. And so I, and, and it worked. It wow. stopped using the built-in LTE connection and used their Ethernet. And it was like some ridiculous... I've, I've got a speed test I posted on Twitter. It was like <laughs> something like 600 megabits up and like 1.2 gigabits down speed test. And I was like, oh, that's going to do just fine for my live YouTube video. Just perfect. I never even thought about so, doing it, seeing if there was a dongle for that or a quick cable And, it, you know, basically a USB-C to Ethernet dongle is all you need and it works like a charm. And that's the beauty. Like, you can't do that on an iPhone. Yeah, Forget yeah, it. Like, it. you know, and this is kind of where and you can do that on surface as well and this is kind of where i get kind of frustrated with ios devices like i know there's no technical limitation for this ios is based on os 10 or mac os now and and it's perfectly a full-blown os there's no reason this limitation shouldn't even exist what are you doing to me apple speaking of rumors of the apple watch with lte i want to finish the podcast Uh, what are your thoughts on that so I have uh, the Gear S3 Frontier with LTE, um, and thanks to T-Mobile's new T-Mobile digits, it's one of my phone lines. So my phone rings, this rings as well, which is really cool. Um, and I was I couldn't wait to have LTE because as a runner, you know I, I don't always like to run with my phone, but you know as I said earlier, I'm approaching fifty, and you know as I get older, I I I want to have a phone with me in case there's a problem. You know, so I've been using the Gear S3 Frontier with a phone capability, and it's been great. Um, the one thing with the Gear S, so, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go on. I was gonna say the one thing with the Gear S3 compared to when I went with my Apple Watch is the battery life is just better on the Apple Watch. So okay, I look forward to this on the Apple Watch, with the caveat that I think Apple's going to limit how much you can do with that, which is a good thing. Well, for battery life purposes. For battery life yeah. purposes, exactly. And I get that. Apple's really good at, I, you know, I think it's actually a healthy thing that they're doing to kind of like limit what you can do just to get a better experience overall for the average user. Um, but at the same time, like, do you think this, I mean, these are rumors on LTE watch from Apple. Do you think that's going to happen? It seems to make sense to me. It's a no-brainer, right? It makes sense. And I think, you know, I think Apple will do it smartly. And to be honest, with the Gear S3, you know, people, of course, there's headlines you can now use an Apple Watch without an iPhone. Uh, it's not going to happen. And even with a Gear S3, technically you could do that, but it doesn't make any sense. Who wants to do all of their communications, browse everything all on a watch face? You don't. You know, there's there's certain no. there's certain key reasons to have that standalone connectivity. And if you limit it to that, no one would know the difference because the experience is optimized that way anyway. So. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I have yet to play with the Gear S3. I hear lots of great uh, things. Awesome. Uh, it's I hear it's the best smartwatch. And, you know, me, I'm a big smartwatch person. Right now I'm using the, reluctantly, I want to be very clear about this. I'm reluctantly using the Huawei Watch 2 
because it's got um, Apple Pay, no Android Pay, sorry, mm-hmm. and um, uh, my old watch one didn't. But I don't. I'm vexed by the look and feel of this watch yeah. compared to the previous one. And uh, I put a beautiful leather band on mine, so it looks a little less like a sports watch now. And uh, but ideally, the watch one was my favorite with that large display, but it doesn't have a lot of the new functionality. Um, I was going to ask you something. This digits thing that T-Mobile has. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you're going to laugh at me, Matt, and please do because it's worth it. I don't get it. How does it work? I'm really confused by it. You know, I'm an engineer, but I've never found anybody who could explain to me how does that actually work because I don't want to join it because I'm a T-Mobile customer. Right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole if I don't understand exactly what's going on. <laughs> Uh, so tell me what <laughs> you think is going on if you know and what does it bring to the table and why do i want it or why do i not want it digits is funny because you know i i met with the the technical team and the engineers behind all of that last fall and they gave me some beta stuff to try out and all this and and they, they've done t-mobile has done a ton of work on the back end to make this whole thing work and i can't really explain what's going on and and for the last six months during the beta test, I was trying to figure out how do I explain to readers why it's important. And it's it's very difficult to really tell people unless you have experiences. And it's for people like us that have lots of phones, it's been awesome during reviews because I could set all the different phones up to all have my mobile number so when it would ring when it would ring or when i would call out i would always have one number no matter which review phone i was using but beyond reviewers to me if you have a smartwatch, um it's similar to how at&t does it but i think the way t-mobile's technology works is it's more up on their server side um and their network side to make that happen rather than just a smart forwarding of numbers and, and that kind of thing it's a seamless. My watch, I mean, I can make calls, texts, whatever from my watch. Nobody knows it's not my phone number. It's so right. so well integrated. So does it, so basically your one number basically rings multiple SIMs. There, is that correct? Two, is that what I understand? There's two ways to set it up, which is, which is I think what confuses a lot of things too. You can either have one number, multiple devices, or multiple de- numbers on one device because some people like, they have like numbers they hand out for a uh, a business group or a soccer team or these kind of things. People like having that. For me, I just want one number to, to give everybody and just use that number. So I'm right. I'm on the one number multiple device party. Yeah, I understand that. Um. I, anyway, I need to figure out what what they're doing. Like, I want to know that. Yeah, I need to talk to them yeah, because that's yeah. There's a guy there. I think his name's Evan. If if you don't have a contact, I should put you in contact because yeah, he do, he he, I, he did all the back end. He headed up all that effort. It's pretty, you'd probably love it. You'd probably have a nice deep dive talk. About that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want to figure this out because it's kind of like, I'm kind of tempted to jump in, but at the same time, I'm a little scared. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Well, look, thanks for telling us or sharing what so far you've been able to figure out. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you, you haven't noticed any weirdness, right? Like when you travel abroad or anything like that, just everything just works, your phone number, you still get your text messages, everything is fine. So far, been flawless i don't even i i I forget that it's not even just part of the deal seamless that's very very cool well you heard it here first well maybe not maybe you talked about it on your podcast though (laughs) did you 
but digits, yeah. D- digits, yeah, you did. Of course you did. All right, so you didn't hear about it here first, but you heard about it from Matt here first. There you go. Boom. Uh, well, I think we should wrap it up. Have we talked about everything? I think we have. Um, I think so. Yeah, I want you. I want to thank you for being on, Matt. And do you want to plug your site, your podcast, yourself, and your Twitter and all that good stuff? Sure. So uh, I write a couple blogs on ZDNet. Just go to ZDNet.com. You'll you'll see my stuff there. Um, we do the Mobile Tech Roundup podcast with Kevin Tolfel. We just celebrated uh, episode four hundred over ten years a couple weeks ago. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Um, we don't record every week. We do it in the summertime about every other week or so. And then uh, I'm all over the internet and social networks as Palm Solo, which is a mixed match of Palm devices. Back in 97, I started using them. And my favorite character, Han Solo. I think it's an awesome handle, by the way. Still one of my favorites. Most creative handle. One of the most, I don't know. So It goes back a cool. long ways. <laughs> I'm not like, changing How long it. have you had it? Like I said, I, I I I think it was. Oh man, this is back when I was reading Palm websites, and you had to have a handle, and I created it. It was like so twenty years. Yeah, exactly. Ninety seven. Ninety seven, ninety eight, some time frame like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, Tank Girl. My handle was only with drop the vowels because at the time the other one was taken, and this was like ninety four, ninety five for me. Wow, yeah. On various like bulletin boards, bulletin boards, yes, exactly. IRC, yeah, yeah. I was on IRC. I was super active in IRC. So anyway, that's how it started. And then you know I needed handles after that, and I just stuck with yeah. it. And nobody had the one without the vowels. And a lot of people, you know, I, I always joke that Flickr inspired themselves from me <laughs> because they came after my handle, right, right? right? Dropping the vowels. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, listen, you guys, you guys know where you can find me uh, at TNKGRL, as we just mentioned on Twitter. That's Tank Girl. Drop the vowels. Uh, find me on YouTube uh, at youtube.com slash Miriam Joar. That's my full name spelled out, Miriam with a Y. Uh, and uh, then uh, this podcast is the Mobile Tech Podcast. Uh, the URL is mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, this is uh, in cooperation, collaboration with World Podcasts, who is doing all the editing work and the uh, publishing work on this. Uh, thank guys for uh, for hosting me. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another awesome host. Uh, so stay tuned for more. And thanks again for being on, Matt. Yeah, thank you. and thanks for having me. It was a real honor to be on the show. Good luck. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Bye, everybody. Right. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.